Okay, I'm in Cincinnati. What's the name of your store, Gus? Uh, Bad Sight. And how long has it been here? Uh, Marco Pete started in 1907. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I travel a lot, a lot to hat stores. I love hats. But I have to say that this is, this is the best hat store that I've ever been into. I bought a hat for uh, Andy Garcia, and I bought myself a lot of hats. But uh, I noticed, because uh, uh, I'm staying across the street, that you had a lot of pictures of celebrities. And I bring you pictures, and you're up there too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I make a hat for three presidents. Ronald Reagan. Yep. He was uh, the first president I make a hat for. What kind of hat did you make? Uh, Western hat, <laughs> yeah, and it's, I think the hat is in his museum in California. Yeah. And he wore, believe it, a size seven. It was a small head size. Yeah, that's small. So, uh, a small head so, size. So he sat down and you measured his hat? His... Uh, they give me the size. Yeah. And, uh, and I got a beautiful letter from him. He talked about the immigration things and he says, I work hard to make everybody uh, have a change to come to America and uh, be successful. Yeah. And uh, and a very that letter now uh, the Tony Saint stem 1982. <laughs> <laughs> and I make a hat for Bush Senior and Junior. Yeah. And uh, Obama, you know what a hat? <laughs> I'm a shocker. First black president of hat. He don't even wear a baseball cap. No, he doesn't. He never wears hats. I mean, to me. It, because the black people, they kept the hat they just say one time. Because they loved it. wore a hat. Yes, they wore, wore hats. And I said, it would be trademark. When I say the president, the black first uh, president of the United States, he wore a hat. He would make even the younger guys wore a hat. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but they're, they're not elitist, in my, in my opinion, because if you have a good like Yusef, I says, the follow which you lead in the youth people that yep. follow you and they yep. look, if you look presentable, I says, I want to be like him. Right. And that's that's what they're missing. Right. They only was worried, they, they go do the, some crazy things, get in the front of people talking. But I says, you look up to, like you look up to your father, you look up to your grandfather as a family. You can be the poorest guy in the earth. You always look up what your daddy, how poor he was, and he worked hard and tried to send you to school. And he says, I'm going to do a lot better than and my father did. Right. And then you show that your kids do the same thing. You try to make my kids be better. Do better, yes. And I says, and these leaders, you know, they only mingle with the, uh, with the high-class people. Right. Get down the middle where the working people are. You have to get, the, yeah, because I think that um, in politics, they worry about the middle class, but they don't worry about the people who but are But they don't do nothing with the middle struggling, class. Struggling, yeah. You know, you know the, Georgia says, I got friends in California they live. Uh, yeah. He says, if I don't have the Mexican people in California and Texas, he says, when you buy box oranges in Cincinnati today, $25, yeah. if the, the Americans, they don't want to pick that uh, oranges. Right. He said, you would have paid $60 a box. Right. 
He said, the Mexican people, they come in, they work, they live on a farm, they raise the family, right. they pick. And I, I do a business with a commission house. Stuff, they pack them. I mean, you need, they don't throw them in a box and right. say, take them. And I says, people come in, they want to work. Right. I have a right of respect. If you sleep in the street, I have a lot of respect for people working. I don't like you lazy people. Right. Where did you come from? From Greece. Yeah. 1951, I was 17 years old, and I can tell you, Marco Pete, my mother's brother, he started the business. He says, Marco uh, Pete, you work on a Saturday, Sunday? You look at me and say, you eat on a Saturday, the Sunday, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. 60, this is my 61 years on the shop. 61 years in the shop. And I says, I'm still working, I meet nice people. If I stay home, I don't see anybody. Right, yeah, you talked about it yesterday. We talked a little bit outside of the store. That if you stay home, you eat, and you, uh, you know, your mind shuts down. You know? I'm complete. Yeah. And you start to feel sorry for yourself. Right. You don't see the people. Like today, I told my wife last night, yes, we came on the store, Georgie Lopez. Oh, my wife, she knows more than the follows the, the movies and uh, <laughs> stories. Yeah. She's, uh, she's home more. And I says, really? I says, well, every time I go there, Tony Bennett's been here. Yeah. Uh, all this. And I says... They all come in, though, if, they, if the Tony Bennett and, I mean, there's a lot of athletes. A lot of athletes come in. Because they play uh, the Reds and they come into the shop. Deion uh, Sanders, he played with it. Uh, yep, Cowboys and the Braves. Uh, won a Super Bowl one year. I think he played with the 49ers or the Cowboys on the Super Bowl. I think it was the Cowboys. He bought $6,000 worth of hats. <laughs> Dolby's, uh, I'm making all kind of hats. Yeah. And it's still, uh, I like it. Dion, he was a unique uh, guy. Yeah. He's a clean-cut guy. And he was a good... Uh, good customer. To, good to his stepfather, I think. His stepfather yeah. there. But uh, he came in about uh, a year and a half ago. And somebody gave him a hat. He says, guys, I had to buy this hat, but it's too big. And I make the size smaller for him and fix him. And a very unique guy. Yeah. But I says, and I always tell them, I give you some advice, young ball players. I learned that from Paul Brown. Paul Brown, he used to tell these athletes, he says, remember one thing, never depend this to be your living hood, play football and baseball. Right. Especially football. He said, football is a tough game. Get hurt. But he says, save your money. Save your money. Save your money. Because... I only would tell him, I says, tell the guy, oh, I'm your friend, I want to take care of you. Ask him, how come you were not my friend when I didn't have no money? Right. When I start making money and I'm successful, I work hard, you want to tell me, what you got to do, take the money, put them in a bank, give you right name, address, every three months, they're sending you the dividends. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, and it's, but when you, I had Aaron Pryor, he was a good young black kid in Cincinnati. I used, used to walk out with a shoebox. And I used to give him a can of shoebox, go around the bars and brush the people's yeah. shoes. And Buddy La Rosa, which is my wife's first cousin, uh, 
he took me training, he invested a lot of money. It, it was a hell of a box. Aaron, well, Aaron Pryor was great, the Hawk. Yeah. yeah. Aaron Pryor was great. Well, he went down to Florida. He got mixed up with the wrong group of people. He told the buddy La Rosa, Georgia, and I felt so bad today. He says, oh, I got some friends down to Florida. He says, I don't need you anymore. I said, damn it. I said, look who brought you out of the, out of the street. You right. had nothing. Right. I said, buddy, you're still in we got big business in a city, pizzeria place. And I says, when you quit boxing, buddy can open place for you. You can have a good life for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you can, you're not going to box forever. Right. He didn't listen to me. He went down to Miami, got some their own friends. Bad people. You know, I always says, your family, you're stuck with them, your relatives, you can't get rid of your relatives. But the friends you can make, pick, you have a choice to pick your good friends. People that they, that really, they care about you. Mm -hmm. Because, and his money won, he lost everything. Lost everything. And, yeah. you know, you know, I feel bad because, uh, Everybody, when they're successful, he said, I want to take your money. I said, no, you're not taking my money. I said, why don't you? I know how to get to the bank. Right. Even if you're blind, take it, call the policeman and say, I'm blind. I don't trust anybody. Can you take me to the, to the bank? Put my money, 20000 whatever you got. Yeah. And they, the bank is going to give you exactly what, what you have there. But the life is beautiful for me. I'm 79 years old. Yeah, you enjoy it. That's what it is. Look you, how many shoes. I bought 20 pair of gym shoes, sent them to Greece to the people that oh don't yeah. have anything. Yeah, yeah, that's what I noticed, the shoes. I bought there, right? uh, I'm going to go buy some more. Yeah. The guy gave it to me wholesale. I got to Greece, pair of gym shoes, uh, George. Two hundred. Is that what you do? You 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 gathered. I saw them in the corner over there. Yeah. You gather the shoes and then you send I them. Fax them and I send them to. And I says, the people I met there. He says, when I go back there, he says, I don't forgive where I came from. That's very nice. Well, that's what you're doing. And I says, I go there, pair of gym shoes. And we can't afford it to buy no. the shoes. Yeah. I said, I was lucky enough coming to America. And having the shop, Marco, when he died, he left the shop to me. I'm working. And I said, I want to, these people here have a chance to come to the United States. Right. And I says, well, the politicians, they play politics. But now I says, I'm going to do this. Give the people visas to come to the United States. And if they're working, they say, oh, you take my job away. The Americans, they don't want to do some work. Right. I said, I, I can mop the floor, I can uh, clean the bathroom when I have to. Uh, I'm the boss, I says, whatever has to be done, I get them done. You get it done. Yeah. And Marco told him another thing, George, the cheapest thing you have in America, if you're afraid to get your hands dirty, you're going to starve to death. <laughs> right. He says, yeah, if you can't get your hands dirty, you're going to starve to death. Yeah, that's, he that's says very the cheapest smart. thing to have is soap and water, and in some places it's, it's free. You don't cost your dime. You walk any hotel, any restaurant, they got paper towels, soap and water, you wash your hands. You don't know if you're a lawyer, a doctor, the dirt always come off. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the people, 
um, give the kids too much now. So the kids... I think you rude kids. They don't appreciate I, it. I had a first cousin. He had one son. I don't want my kid to work hard as I did. I said, George, his name is George. I said, George, I said, that's the wrong message you give the kid. I said, teach your kids how to work, and it's 75% of the problems behind you. Right. If they're lazy, they're going to grow up, they're going to get married, they're going to have kids. Who's going to take care? You can't say no to your grandchildren. You got to take care of them. Because your son is lazy, you don't want to work. And I admire the people that come to America and they work. And these guys, they don't want to work. Mm-hmm. I said, do any kind of work. I don't care. The floor gets dirty, I'm yeah, up and down. And I think. But I think some people in America think that doing those jobs is beneath them, that they don't want to do those jobs. Well, well, quit complaining then. Right. You know what I said? If you don't want to do that job and a guy he wants to work to do that job, why you criticize the guy? I know in Greece, uh, Romanians, people came from Northern Europe it was under the communists for centuries. They come in there, they work on a farm, the bricklayers, they do any kind of work. And matter of fact, one brother that uh, he lives next door, we give him my grandfather's house. And uh, my brother lives next door to And I said, Valerius, you stay in the house. My brother said, I buy the material, you fix it. The house over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. When I went there, George, to see that house, where well, a guy did it, put a, he put a shower, bathroom, the whole damn thing. I said, Valerius, be careful. I said, my grandfather come back, see that place, he's gonna hit you in the head with this place. <laughs> and he fixed it beautiful, we don't charge him anything, he lives there. Yeah. And now my brother, you don't have a family. I, I build a wall around, I, I build a beautiful garden. And the Valerius, you had to see the garden, my brother says, Eggplant, peppers, cucumbers. You got more vegetables there, he says, than anything. Yeah. All the neighbors come in and they get vegetables. Yeah, he did his own vegetable garden. Yeah. And he said, these people, they had a tough times. And now with the and they live in Greece now. They, don't, they go back to Romania like I go to Greece to visit for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I says, these guys are workers. He said, we got to pick the oranges, they're there. Pick the olives in the in the, in the winter time. They're ready. They're there. And I said, you know, they're very successful because you work. Uh, maybe I tell them, George, that each man might have more money, but uh, you can live as good as the rich man, the, the multi-millionaire. Uh, if he can live in a million, you can live in the five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And I says. These people, I admire, I don't care who they are, they're working, they take care of their families. And I see, I see people uh, from Guatemala, Mexico, my neighborhood. Boy, you know better not mess around with the kids. Yeah. They take care of the kids, the family, they go to church on a Sunday. And the mornings, when I come down sometimes six thirty, they're already going to work. Right. And they don't. Yeah, people can learn a lesson from that. I think that's a little bit of they're forgetting about work ethic and starting early and teaching your kids to work. 
teach them to work. And not giving them a lot so they appreciate everything that they get. Sure, if they get in the door, you help them. But teach them how to work. And then once they keep George they start making money of their own. It's, it's, I work, I make it $20 a day. Boy, it's my money. You know, when he goes out to buy something, uh, how much it is? Uh, $10. Uh, he took me one day. He's going he's gonna to shop around. Careful. But if the daddy keeps giving money every day, oh, if I don't have enough, my daddy gives me some more tomorrow. They don't care about the price, yes. They, they, don't, they don't know the value. Yeah. And I said, you got to know the value. And our Lord, he takes you to uh, to make that money. And then you buy nice things. But uh, my cousin, Iruni's son, he had one son, he got married, he got three kids. Grandpa had to pay for the college education. Yeah. Now the old man is in financials. He gave all the money. He gave all the money. Yeah. And I says, because he, what he, Talked to his son when he was 18 years old. He said he got this big. Uh, I always said, George, if you don't know where you came from, you don't know where the hell you going. Right. That's what I tell him. Right. I, I go back to Greece, I look at these people, and I says, give me the size of the shoes. Yeah. I pack him. That's great. And I send him, and I send him, uh, I send him some clothes, whatever he needs. Mm -hmm. You gotta do that. That's nice. Let me ask you because I saw the pictures of uh, you and uh, Pavarotti. Pavarotti was a, he was a, he was your friend, shop huh? like you did. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know where he was. I mean, I, I was busy that day. He came in, he always wore his glasses, the cap done. And uh, he bought some caps and I says, I says, on the TV, you look big. I said, big man. He was big, but he was not a tall man. Right. And uh, he had a council here on the Coliseum. He stayed cross seat. He sent me uh, three tickets, my wife and I in the front row seat. And then we went back to his dressing room after the show. He said, you come to New York. He says, call me up. He gave me his phone number. It was such a unique guy like you. He didn't think he says, the good lawyer give me ability to be able to sing. And he says, no, look my body. He says, my body, I don't win any prize for my body. <laughs> and we sat on his sofa there with a picture, and he called me Gustavo. Gustavo, he says, I don't feel sorry for you and me. I feel sorry for the sofa we're sitting on. <laughs> he says, <laughs> If we get out of this office and take him, put him in a dumpster, he says, because if, it, if we sell it to somebody, you're gonna see that and, you, and you get hurt. And if you should find out who's sitting there, who's responsible yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Um, well, so that was uh, your friend. And well, then uh, Cos Bill Cosby, I bought a couple of uh, berets that Bill Cosby was wearing in the picture. Yeah, yeah. the only one of uh, berets he loves, uh, but uh, since he lost his son, uh, he's got a vision problem now, Bill. Yeah. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah, good, good man. Yeah, good, uh, good man, and it's uh, and it's uh, what a berets, caps like the porcelino cap. Yeah. And uh, the last time we were here at the casino down in Indiana, but uh -huh. uh, I guess the last time we were in Baraguego. Right. 
And I went down and uh, chit-chat and talk. And, uh, but, you know, you lose your son uh, when he, he did it. His life was very different after him. You know, it's, that's what I said. The foolish thing, you took the kid, money, take his car. I don't kill the person. Yeah, right. I mean, I can buy automobile, I can buy head, I can buy... Uh, but the life is a precious thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what they gotta teach the kids again. Your life is very precious. And very all, special. The only thing you never put a price tag on. Right. You can buy anything in front of you. You praise the price, everything's for sale. But somebody said, George, give me one of your kidneys. Uh, unless you do your family. Oh passes. I don't know, I'm not going to take that change, but if your family, your brother, your sister, yeah, I can give all my kidneys if they match. Yeah. But uh, any strange, I give a couple of million dollars to sell me one kidneys. I keep my kidney, you keep your million, because <laughs> the millions are going to go a lot faster than you think. And I won't have everyone one kidney, and the other one get bad, and I says I'm out of luck. Right. So money... You can't buy health. No. And, uh, and the health is uh, the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, George, I always tell them, I live as good a life as anybody. You do the same thing. I like to go home. The culture, I look at the culture of Mexicans, Hispanic people, Spain, Italy, Greece, uh, all the people below the, the, they can't wait to get in the kitchen to cook a meal. Mm -hmm. The Americans always grab fast food, uh, hamburgers. Yeah, they don't, you, you fix a nice uh, vegetable dish and they throw their nose up. Yeah. I says, that's what the good Lord put in the earth, the vegetables and the fruits. My wife, every now I go home, she makes a smoothie on a blender. Yeah. What is that kind of people today? They're so lazy. You put blueberry, you put peaches, you put a banana inside. And you sit there, you drink a glass of smoothie. That's a, you, it's no way you, your health is going to go bad. Right. Uh, uh, too much trouble. Well, if it's too much trouble, go get that junk food they eat. Yeah. It's okay if I travel a lot, but not every day. Not every day. When you see these young kids, your girl special. 250 pounds, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. The health in America is not going to get any better. Right. Because you're going to be diabetic, you're going to be high blood pressure, and all that stuff. And, then, and, and I, I'm not a doctor, but. Uh, I'm not going to my age, 79, I go swimming every day. I swim at the athletic club. That's good. Oh, yeah. I could swim three, four laps. Now I swim and uh, mile takes me about 50 minutes, real slow. And i tell you one thing, George, it helped my breathing so much better. Yeah, feel good. My lungs are so much. And I listen to the doctor. I don't know what he was from Philippines, maybe it was Italian doctor. He said, before you get out of bed in the morning, 
he says, and hell through your nose, and hold it for a second, and let the air out. Exercise your lungs, says, about 10, 15 times. Mm -hmm. And it do, take it through your mouth, let it through yeah. your nose. He said, your organs, when you sleep, they're working in a slow motion, because you sleep. Once you exercise, you know, when you get up, you feel better because those things, they, they're already like right, your accordion. Yeah. If you close the accordion, you sit there. Yeah. When you open them up, and boom, it, that's what they have the, the, the feet, the body same way. Yeah. But they don't, I don't have the time. You know these watches? That they are the same, I don't care to watch by. You take the time. If you don't take the time, take the time. it's your tough love. Yeah. I said, I don't, if I come down in the morning, I see people, they rush to get to work because they're supposed to work in 8 o'clock. They leave home 10 minutes to 8. I come down an hour before, 45 minutes, no traffic. I go someplace, sit down, I have my coffee. I walk back to the shop on my own, uh, convenient time, yep. open the door. If you're rushing, you're gonna have an accident, you're gonna have a something. Yeah. Everything is bothering you because, God, the time is gone, I gotta be working. And I tell them another thing, you remember that? I heard people always miss the bus coming to work. They never miss the bus go home. They always get the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I see people when they when they get off five o'clock, they're all across the street, even when the red light is on, to catch the bus. And the morning, I hear from, oh, I missed the bus. Why are you so late? I said the bus driver is not going to come to your bedroom to get you up. Yeah. You got to be on the corner. Be on the corner waiting. And it was, uh, I remember Italian guy. He had a son in America. You remember this someday, maybe you. And he says, Dad, I want you to buy me a car. Oh, really? Yeah, I might. Those days back in, I think this was in the 60s, 50s. He says, What do you need a car for? He says, I want to have a car. Okay. The car was like $1,800. He says, now you know a car, you gotta have insurance. He said when you get in the mornings, the seat's cold, you gotta heat, warm the car up. He says in the winter time it's too hot, no air condition those days. And he says, uh, you gotta pay for parking and all that. You think you can handle? Uh, yeah, I think I can handle. He says, look how much money, parking, gasoline, driving, he says, you get on the corner, there comes the bus, he open the door for you, he's got a seat for you, the bus is warm, you put 10 cents on, you stop anywhere you want, while you ring the bell, he says, hey, you got a chauffeur, he says, you got a chauffeur, he says, <laughs> he says, for 10 cents, look how much it costs for the automobile, you know, it says, then I think you're right. He talked him out of it. He talked him out of the car. <laughs> he said, you don't need no car, he says, because 
all the money you're gonna make you go for the automobile. Yeah. A young kid, he didn't know any better. All you gotta do is get on the corner with 10 cents, you got a chauffeur, he stops whenever you want you to stop. And he said, ring the bell, he stops, you open the door for you. How many people they open the door for you? Right, right, right. And the car said, you gotta do the driving, you might have an accident. He said, you know, Dad, I said, that's why I'm, uh, I'm your father, I'm older than you. I went through the same thing you through, you went through. And uh, that's what the young people, they have to hear from the parents and all the people. Yeah, I don't have any problem you want to have, but Frenchie, if whenever money you make, if you're going to spend it for automobile and you got a bus take you to work, the lady, she worked with me, the other lady, she was uh, she's vacation now. She's been with 32 years. She gets a bus every day, comes to work and then go home. And it's a wonderful worker. And you know, George, it's just a stand to the people. You want better things, you work out. You work longer hours, you work longer days. I don't look at the clock. Right. I don't have a clock on the store. Right. And I said, if it's work there, I stay late. When it's slowed down, I take off for an hour. Yeah. I want a nice things in life. I want to live in a, uh, I want a good food. I don't question when I go there buy nice things for my stomach. I know they cost more. I don't question the price. That's right. And it says, if you want a bad stuff, the guy says, they're not going to do you, you any take good. take care of yourself. But you drive a nice automobile. He tell you what kind of fuel you're going to use. If you use the cheap gas, the car's going to go like this. Mm -hmm. They buy the same way. Right. They, they, don't, they don't get them. It's a sad thing, uh, George, where this, everybody's in a hurry. And it, like you said, you took time to talk to me, and I says, and I, what do you, how many people I'm going to tell them? That's what you're teaching people. And they learn. Why you have this? If nobody give it to you, you work for it. And when you work, you have a nice clothes, nice things. And it's, but they haven't, when I hear the government say, we're gonna take care of you. You know, Arano Regan make the best statement. He said, the government is not the solution, the government is the problem. <laughs> right. And he was, I don't say he was the smartest president, but he meant what he said. And it was, uh, I think he's the only president in the United States. What he gets me by these guys, they're going to Mexico, I think they're going to Europe, they can speak two words in the language, a different language. Now, I don't think he went to Mexico, he spoke the... A little bit of Spanish, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, he yeah. was, I think it was, uh, who was a Fox, I think it was the president at that time. And he spoke pretty good, uh, because he, he told with the people in California. They got some president, now they go over there and they went for the interpreter. The interpreter maybe got paid off. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Alicia Abbey says, Few words understand. Even if he can speak, you understand the language. Uh, they go there and they sit there like you dummies. 
And I said, these are guys that they're leaving the country, uh, 300 million people. He can't even speak nothing by English. And then uh, when the people come from another country, I want you to speak English. I said, no, I speak my language if I were our people. Uh, and then, but our big guys, they're alone. If you're going to be a politician, you can take a dictionary, you can learn. You can learn. Because you deal with Mexico, you deal with Germany, you deal with Italian, you deal with Russians. You have to be able, uh, you know, I went to Greece one time. And uh, and I spoke to a guy, uh, a few words. And I was in the neighborhood, they, they didn't know my name is Miller, and I thought I was German. And, uh, and I says, uh, said to the guy a couple of words in, in German, and he says, well, these guys, they care for how they, they can take care of you because they don't know how much you know. I walked to the bank and I says, uh, in German, I says, this is one of the places whenever you go to Mexico. And this guy he spoke to God, good morning, says in Germany, what's that? I'll be the same when you leave. And uh, they don't know how much you know. It's, I don't know, three, four words, but they take care of you better because if we say something wrong, they might curse me out. Maybe I don't know the deeds, but they don't know how much I know. Right. And then I can talk to him back. But always nice. You got these guys. They had a lot of few words. Because you, especially these days, now you take the Mexican people, they speak the language, they speak Hispanic, they speak the uh, English, because they communicate with people. And I pray as they go over there and they sit there and say, now what this guy going to say? Uh, put on yesterday in Mexico, he sits there, and they want to turn, but he one over here. And I says, what the hell is this guy? They don't know. Uh, uh, to me, I don't want to say they're dumb, uh, but they gotta be, they gotta be more educated, learn right. the language. And the world today is so small, for all this, one can, you can be in China tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I had a friend of mine, his son, he spoke the Japanese. He went to college and he studied Japanese. You know, they have him in a, in a fifth-hour bank. The only job he has, the Japanese, they don't want to interpret. They want somebody to speak their own language when they deal with the bank. Right. And these kids got a hell of a job in the bank. You only deal with people coming from Japan. Mm -hmm. They want to do business with the bank, and he speaks to them. He speaks to them in a, in a, in a Japanese language. They don't have no Americans. Uh, he's an American kid, but uh, no word, single word English. Right. In Japanese, it says. Education. Well, you know, when I go back home to Greece, I still understand my Greek. Sometimes it takes me a little while to because 60 years away, but 
they don't know how much I know. <laughs> and they said, they treat me nice and everything. Yeah. Yeah, they, and I feel comfortable because uh, the people I knew, the older people, they all are dead, gone. My mom and dad, they all have passed away. And I come in, I come in, he's 60 years old. He born, uh, he born the year I left. And he was one years old too when I left. And I said, who are you? Oh, you know my father. Oh, I said, you the, his father, the, the old people, the, they was, they was the comedians, the funny people, let's say. They live in the village, they had a tough times, and it's, uh, and he was a character. I, I mean, the young generation, they faded a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they don't have it. But the old people, they have more jokes to tell you, they can make you laugh for yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marco Pitti came to the United States when he was about 10 years old. A lady, she had a son in America. And uh, so she went to school and he says, said to the teacher, I want the best student you have. I want to write my son a letter. And uh, she could write. So he gave him Marco Pete. He was 10 years old and says, now, he gave him a couple of orders, whatever he gave him. And she says, okay. This is right to my son, the letter and all that, and uh, blah, 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 and he finished the letter now. Marco, he thought he was going to walk out of the door. The old lady said, now, now let's see, read the letter back to me, because my might forget something. <laughs> well, Marco, well, you know, dear George, all of the sentences, when you write to somebody, did George, and it, and it was it. <laughs> he says, you write all the pages, and I said, go ahead, what else? <laughs> he could eat his own right. <laughs> well, he says, that got it. He give me the money, those coins back. He says, you can't eat your own right. I said, how you expect my son to eat it? Thank you. I appreciate you telling me the story. When you come back to the study again.